good to be saved. If you're here this morning and you're not saved, then you can come at any time and accept the Lord as your Savior. These altars are always open, amen, and you just mind the Lord. We're going to be going to Proverbs this morning, chapter number 23. I'll give you just a few moments there to find your place in the Word of God. Proverbs chapter number 23. Let me say while, uh, while you're turning, uh, be sure and uh, just listen for the podcast, I mean the uh, calling post this afternoon in Rim, and we'll uh, give you an update concerning the service tonight. And of course, if we get uh, some bad weather, then we won't have service tonight. We won't do anything to put anybody in harm's way. Bad weather in the south, that's, uh, that's a quarter of an inch of snow is what that is. And so uh, that's bad weather. They laugh at us, you know, up north because they're running up and down the roads. But I try to tell them, I said, y'all don't understand. It's a little bit different in the south. We have something y'all don't have. That's called humidity, even in the wintertime. And so uh, our snow's probably got more ice in it than snow and don't pack very well. But they don't believe that. They just think we're all a bunch of wimps down here. And, uh, but I told them, I said, all my life, I said, when it comes to snow, you go to the grocery store you get milk and bread. Y'all know that? I have no earthly idea why we buy milk and bread, but you got to have it if you get a quarter of an inch of snow or you're not going to make it, all right? You may not even use it, but uh, make sure you got some. So when you leave this morning, make sure you got some when you go home. If you'll stand with us, Proverbs chapter 23 and verse number 19. Proverbs 23 and verse number 19. The Bible said, Hear thou, my son, and be wise, and guide thine heart in the way. Be not among wine-bibbers, among riotous eaters of flesh. For the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty, and drowsiness shall clothe the man with rags. Look at verse number 29. Who hath woe, who hath sorrow, who hath contention, who hath babbling, who hath wounds without cause, who hath redness of eyes, they that tarry long at the wine, they that go to seek mixed wine. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth its color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thine heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of a mast. They have stricken me, thou uh, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again. Heavenly Father, Lord, I do pray this morning that you'll give us liberty to preach the Word of God. I pray that you'll give us the vocabulary, that ready turn of thought in mind. I pray that you'll illuminate our heart and mind this morning in the Word of God and the Spirit of God. I pray the Holy Ghost would have His way in our hearts and lives, help us to receive with meekness the engrafted Word, and may the will of God be done. And Lord, give us that liberty. Make it easy to preach this morning. And we'll thank you for it and we'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I want you to see that both of these passages of Scripture that I've read this morning deals uh, with the subject that's on my heart this morning. And that subject that I want to deal with this morning is the devil's brew. Amen. 
I want to preach this morning for a few moments on the devil's brew. Uh, when you think about that this morning, uh, that is a subject that we don't hear preached on oftentimes, but it's an important subject and it's a needed subject. I mean, the devil likes to call his brew. He has been running his brewery for many, many years and he likes to call his brew uh, different things such as Budweiser and, and Miller Highlight and, and Crown Royal. But uh, instead, I think that we ought to give it its rightful name this morning and it's sin in a bottle. Isn't that right? Uh, it's liquid poison. It, it's hell's uh, uh, hottie or hell's drink this morning. Uh, and I promise you uh, uh, that if you ever go down this pathway, if you ever go down this road uh, and begin to drink this uh, uh, type of brew, I promise you, uh, uh, just like they ask many times when you want that liquor, uh, do you want it on the rocks? Uh, I'll tell you, that's where every person's life ends up that goes down this pathway. Uh, their bodies as dead and cold in the end uh, as that liquor is on the rocks uh, and so is their life. Uh, uh, your life will be hidden uh, and uh, my friend ripped apart uh, on the rocks of sin. Uh, we seldom hear of this lethal poison mentioned and preached about in our day and time. Uh, uh, we've even got wine bibbers sitting in our churches nowadays uh, uh, singing in our choirs uh, and God help us even preaching uh, uh, in our pulpits nowadays. Uh, uh, men see nothing wrong with it. Uh, uh, they per pervert and twist the scriptures nowadays uh, and they take John chapter 2 uh, where Jesus turned the water into wine uh, and they use verses like that to just uh, uh, justify their, uh, their wine drinking or their liquor drinking. Uh, but I want to tell you the Bible uh, does not uh, uh, leave us with any doubt this morning uh, uh, that strong drink uh, is raging uh, and my friend God forbids us to not even look at it, let alone touch it this morning, amen. You see, the word of God is clear about this subject. One man asked me one time, he said, well, he said, don't you believe Jesus drank fermented wine? I said, I do not believe that for one moment. But I will tell you this, if you can turn water into wine, I'll take a sip of it, amen. But the truth of the matter is, Jesus was not a wine bibber, amen. That's what the Pharisees and the Sadducees tried to put on him. But he was not a wine bibber. And we know that over in the book of Timothy, they like to use that scripture where Paul told Timothy uh, to use a little wine for his stomach. Uh, we know that that was used for medical reasons and purposes, uh, but nowhere's in the word of God are we instructed uh, or given the permission uh, to drink wine. Amen? We do not have the time to deal uh, with the entire fermentation process, uh, but I will tell you this, uh, that out of that wine in Bible days, uh, they didn't have breweries and distilleries, uh, and so at its very best, the most alcohol that could be in wine uh, by being uh, uh, turned and tossed within itself in a bottle would be at best 15 to 16 percent. Now the average alcohol today has anywhere from 35 to 75 percent alcohol within it today. But you think about this, uh, even at 15 to 16 percent, they would have to do something else to that, uh, to drug it or do something to make it more, uh, more stronger than what it was within itself. I'm talking about the 
fruit of the vine. Uh, once it turned and once it tossed, uh, once it became, uh, uh, once it became liquor within itself, just by its own, uh, by its own self, uh, they would have to do something to that. But even at fifteen percent, you know what God said? It's still sin. It's still wrong. Uh, God said, "Don't touch it. Don't look on it. Uh, don't drink it." Amen. He said in First Corinthians five and verse eleven. He said, "Don't even eat with drunkards." Amen. Uh, I'm telling you, friend, God uh, put a premium uh, on His people. Staying away from the devil's brew. Isn't that right? And what do you think about it this morning? We're living in a time when we don't hear much preaching on it. It's ignored in America today. You know why? Because America has become a drunken nation. I'm telling you, listen, we filled our internet and television with commercials and advertisements. They sell it in grocery stores and convenience stores by the coolers full. We sell it in restaurants nowadays and sports arenas and theme parks. They mock and make a laugh at drunkenness and drunkards. I'm telling you, the late B.R. Lakin made this statement. He said, if you claim to be a Christian and you can laugh at a drunkard staggering in a ditch, he said, you're backslid. Amen. I'm telling you sitcoms in Hollywood has filled their movies and their reality shows full of this liquid poison portraying it to be fun, to be cool and to be relaxing when in reality it does nothing but rip the home apart bring tragedy, destroys lives, destroys minds and if there's ever been a day when men of God need to preach against alcohol, it's the day we're living in. God help this younger generation. They're growing up in a so-called church world where they never even hear one sermon on alcohol anymore. I'm telling you, it is a liquid poison. It'll drag you down. It'll take away and rob you of everything good in your life. I'm telling you, friend, you ought to treat it just like the Bible says as an adder. You ought to stay away from it. It's poison will destroy your life. Amen. As I think about that this morning, I thought about Brother Cape, a pastor of this church for 37 years, came from a life of, of, of what we're talking about this morning. I asked Brother David if I could use his testimony. And uh, here this morning, I hold in my hand uh, uh, an article, a magazine, and on the front of that magazine, it says the last moonshine raid of Lawman Lee Cape. That was Brother Berman Cape's grandfather. He was a revenue officer. He broke down and tore down steels and, and uh, listen, uh, locked up moonshiners. And they killed him as a result of that, cut his head off. Uh, he died uh, uh, tearing up these steels. Uh, I tell you, I wish we still had some politicians and lawmen uh, that still took a stand against alcohol. Amen. And he died, Brother Cape. Uh, I'm talking about Brother Berman Cape uh, as just an eight-year-old boy standing on the front porch. Uh, he watched his own daddy uh, shoot his brother and kill him uh, on the front porch uh, because he poured his whiskey out. Uh, I'm telling you, listen, uh, alcohol will destroy your life. Uh, uh, brother, I'm telling you, it's serious business this morning uh, and you and I as Christians, uh, the problem in our society today, we've not heard enough preaching on it anymore and it's been made so light of uh, that we don't hate that sin like we used to hate it. Now we don't hate the drunkards this morning uh, and we know this morning that God will save a drunkard. Amen? But we ought to hate drunkenness. Amen? We ought to hate the booze. Uh, we ought to hate the alcohol. We ought to stand against the 
liquor and the wine and the beer and the coolers. We ought to stand against any of that mess because of what it does to people's lives. Amen. I'm saying this morning, they so hypocritically say, drink responsibly. But the only way to really drink responsibly is to never look, drink, or touch alcohol. I want to say this morning, they do not show us the reality of what alcohol does to people. The commercials show people having a good time, living it up, enjoying life. They've got the perfect body. They've got the perfect vehicle. They've got the perfect setting, the perfect scene. They look like, always looking like they're on a vacation. But they never show you the picture of bodies being pulled out of cars where some drunk driver in a drunken stupor has hit them head on in the middle of the night. They never show you the tears falling off of young children's chin as they stand in a casket and say goodbye to their mother or their father because alcohol has claimed their life in some way or another. I remember years ago preaching at Angola State Penitentiary where 85% of those inmates are lifers. I remember walking past a cot of a man that was sitting there and he said, sir, you're a preacher. We was walking through those barracks and there were several of us walking through. I said, yes, sir. He said, could you talk to me for just a minute? I said, I'll be glad to. I began to talk to that man. He began to weep. Tears began to drop from his chin. Him telling you uncontrollably, he wept. He said, I'm doing, I've done 15 years and I'm doing a life sentence here in this prison. And I began to talk to him. I wasn't going to ask him why he was there, what he was going through. But as I was talking to him he volunteered the information he said I've never been a violent person in all my life but he said as a young man about 21 years of age in a drunken stupor one night in a bar he said I got in an argument with my best friend and he said I beat my friend to death that night outside that bar and said they locked me up and as a result of that I'm doing life in the Angola State Penitentiary he began to weep I said sir are you saved he said oh I've got saved he said but the guilt just bothers me. He said, you know what bothers me the most about it, preacher? I said, what's that? He said, is that I don't even remember it. I had to have people tell me what I did and show me pictures of the proof. I was so out of my mind that night and so hung over the next morning. I'm telling you, alcohol will erase your memory. It'll destroy your mind. It'll fill your mouth with perverse things. I'm telling you, it'll destroy everything in your life that's worth having this morning. And it's not just prisoners. I've lost preacher friends to alcohol, church members that have been faithful to church, singing in the choir, taught Sunday school, and alcohol has destroyed their life. I want to say this morning, my own dad, I remember, thank God, God saves old sinners. I never drank alcohol, but I was around it all my life, as probably many of you were growing up. My dad met his dad at 18 years of age in a bar. Never had seen him before. They drank together. My grandfather died at the age of 53 with liquor on his breath. 
because he signed over all of his property right there on 225 and where Chatsworth Highway comes up through there. He signed over all of his property to his brother for one dollar and all the liquor that he would ever need the rest of his life. He provided him with that liquor and he died in a little old shack there that just recently got tore down on the side of that road. That's what liquor will do. It'll destroy your life. I'm talking about, friend, I don't know everything about alcohol, but I do know a little bit. I know what it's like to help a drunk down the hallway and into bed. I know what it's like to open the refrigerator and there be nothing in there but a jar of mustard and a six pack of beer. I know what it's like on Christmas morning to open or to get up and there be nothing under the Christmas tree and promise after promise, but alcohol claims every one of those promises. I know what it is to go to school and not have hardly any clothes to wear and have to wash the same clothes every night and wear it every single day for the school year because of alcohol. Hey, I don't feel sorry for me. God saved me from a life of alcohol. I'd be sitting on a bar stool this morning or laying in a ditch or being in a jail somewhere or I'd be in hell because of alcohol. But God knows how to reverse the curse, thank God. I'm telling you, thank the Lord 11 years ago in a little old country church on a Sunday morning, my daddy walked the aisle and got born again and the shackles and the demon of alcohol was released, hallelujah, and he got born again in the family of God, amen. I'm telling you, what drunkards need is not AA meetings. They need salvation, amen. They need something, my friend, that won't keep bringing them back to the same well over and over again. If you ever get a good dose of salvation, it'll set your spirit free, hallelujah. I remember my dad, the first church I pastored, he would come every Sunday morning and hear me preach. He would sit there on the back pew of that little church and weep and cry. He would cry and weep the whole service. The invitation was given. He would come to the altar, not every Sunday, but most Sundays. He would get on the corner of that altar and weep and pray. And I'd go down there and pray with him. Some Sundays maybe not, but most of those Sundays I would go down there and pray with him. And he would say this to me often. He'd say, son, I know I'm a sinner. He said, I know I'm going to hell and I want to be saved. I'd say, Daddy, God will save you this morning if you'll trust him. And this is what he'd always say to me. He'd say, I want to be saved. He said, but son, he said, I can't quit drinking. He said, I just can't lay it down. It's just got a hold of me. I said, I know. I said, you can't quit. But if you'll, get, if you'll trust Jesus Christ, I, he'll help you. He said, son, I just can't. I know when I leave, I'm going to go back to it. I'm telling you that's the hold that this sin has. It just starts with one drink, friend. It just starts with one little old sip. And my friend, it'll lead you down a path of destruction that you may never come back to. I'm here to tell you this morning, when you think about this, hey, listen to me. Alcohol will destroy you. Alcohol, my friend, will take you out of this world. It'll ruin your family's life. And it still needs to be dealt with in this hour. Americans drink 6.3 billion gallons of beer every year. Can you imagine that? 6.3 billion gallons of beer. 900 million, million gallons of wine. And 570 million gallons of spirits a year. America is a drunken nation. 28 people die in America 
every single day as a result of drunk driving. That's one person every 52 minutes. From 2010 to 2019, over 10,000 people a year died as a result of drunk driving. Oh, we ought to preach on it, shouldn't we? And here in this text, both the instruction and the illustration is given. Notice the instruction here in verse number 19. He says, Hear thou my son and be wise and guide thy heart in the way. Be sure, he says in verse number 19, of this wise path. This is the instruction. Be sure of the wise path. Be thou wise, he said, and guide thy heart in the way. Oh, what he's saying is saying, Solomon is saying to his son, listen to that wise counsel. Listen to that preacher. Listen to the word of God. Listen to what people say. And listen, go down the wise path. Don't you let somebody out there in this world, you young people hear me and hear me well, there's people out there in this world that they'll want to pull you down this pathway. They'll tell you it's okay. There's liberals and modernists and contemporary churches today that'll say there's nothing wrong with drinking alcohol. You tell them to show you that in the word of God, amen? You take them back to Proverbs chapter 23. You take them them places in the word of God in the book of Isaiah where God says it's wrong. Take them to Ephesians chapter five and verse number 18 where it says, be not drunk with wine where it is excess but be filled with the spirit amen take them to Proverbs 20 and verse 1 where it says wine is a mocker and strong drink is raging and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise I'm telling you hear that wise counsel this morning listen to the word of God be sure this morning of the wise path your life is better if you never drink alcohol beware he said in verse 20 of the wild parties the word wine bibber simply means someone who drinks too much wine. B, he said, for the drunkard, or he said, be not among wine bibbers, among riotous eaters of the flesh. In other words, they're wild parties, they're kegs of beer, they're, they're liquor, they're gin, they're vodka. Uh, listen, they're, they're crown royal, uh, all of that stuff. Uh, I'm telling you, listen, uh, it'll ruin your life. It'll put a mark on you. Uh, you stay away from those wild parties, young people. Uh, they think they want to have their uh, sorority parties and, and they want to go to college campuses and have a good time uh, and live it up for a little while. Uh, I'll tell you what it'll do. It'll mar you and scar you the rest of your days. Uh, I'm telling you, you treat it like uh, it's poison this morning. He said, be sure of the wise paths. Uh, uh, listen, beware of the wild parties. Uh, then he said, beware of the waiting poverty. Look at verse number 20. For the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty and drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. He mentions three people in this verse, the drunkard, the glutton, the drowsy, or the lazy man. And what they all have in, in common is poverty. Liquor, beer, wine will make you broke. I promise you that this morning. I remember years ago preaching in Baltimore, Maryland. And at the close of that meeting, it ended on Wednesday night, and the pastor said, would you be willing to stay over Thursday and Friday and preach in the, in the rescue mission there in Baltimore, in downtown Baltimore? I said, sure. So we went to the mission on that Thursday and Friday night. And I remember it housed 300 people a night. They would get a bed, a hot meal, and a shower. But before they could have any of that, they had to go to a church service. Amen. That night, those men, they, they packed that little mission hall out. And I preached that night on hell. 
I don't remember who all came that night to the altar, but there was one man that came down to the altar. I remember as he came down the altar, Brother George, he skinny as a rail. I mean, his eyes were sunk back in his head. He, he had hair, I mean, long hair, uh, you know, like Samson would have had. Uh, and he had one of them duck dynasty beards like a lot of preachers, you know, one of them nasty beards, you know. And uh, he come down, the, uh, come down the aisle there and he got in the altar. Uh, and I got down there and I said, Sir, why did you come? He said, I'm lost and I need to be saved. He got saved. But after he got saved, before we got up, he said, I want to tell you something, preacher. He said, I look just like another bum to you, don't I? I said, you're not a bum. I said, you're a brother. He said, I'm not a bum. He said, I used to make $400,000 a year on my own insurance company. He said, but I drank like a fish. He said, I lost my business. Had a wife and three children. Said, I lost my marriage, my home. Said, my children wouldn't come and see me no more. He said, for the past five years, he said, I've been living on the streets of Baltimore, chasing the bottle. I don't know whatever happened to that man, but I know that's a memory that will always be in my mind of what liquor, booze, beer, whiskey, wine, spirits, what it can do to. And while we sit in church this morning with the King James Bible in our lap and Jesus in our heart and saved by the grace of God and I, and I praise God for every bit of that this morning. But don't let the devil fool you this morning, friend. I'm sure that you're sitting here this morning. Surely nobody that comes to Bible Baptist Church that is a member would ever drink wine. I, I thought about that. I thought surely nobody is a member of this church and drinks alcohol or wine. I'm telling you, if you do, I pray you wake up with a wart so big on your head in the morning, it takes six months for it to go away. Amen. I'm telling you, but get right with God. Don't you justify liquor. Can I get an amen right there? Don't you justify it. You say, well, I don't drink liquor. I don't drink I don't drink beer and I don't drink vodka, but I drink a little bit of wine. I, I, I every now and then like to have a little wine with my meal. Or I like to take my wife out uh, for a romantic evening. We like to drink a little bit of wine. God help your soul, amen. Uh, if you call yourself a Christian uh, and you'd order wine off a menu uh, and other people come by and see, uh, your testimony is nothing this morning. Uh, I'm telling you, friend, uh, you gotta hate that poison. You got it doesn't matter if it's a little bit of poison. Poison is still poison, amen. Uh, I'm I'm telling you, it's hatched out of the bells of hell this morning uh, and we ought to stand against it. We ought to preach And when the preacher preaches on it, you ought to say amen. Isn't that right? Uh, I'm telling you, if you don't say amen, I might think you're guilty. I'm just simply saying this morning, uh, it is the devil's brew. Hallelujah. Isn't that right? Our young people need to know we're against it. They need to know we're, we're not for it this morning. Oh, listen, he talks about the illustration in verse number 29 down to verse number 35. I hate alcohol this morning. And I wouldn't call a man an alcoholic. I'd call him what the Bible calls him, a drunkard. It's not a disease. It's not a sickness. It's sin. And until people wake up and acknowledge their sin, they're not going to get any help this morning. The illustration, I want you to look at the drunkard in verse 29. I want you to see the life of a drunkard. Notice it's a life of suffering. Who hath woe? Nothing but trouble and turmoil. 
is what drinking brings. Notice his sorrow. Who has sorrow? If you go down the avenue of alcohol and booze and liquor, you'll have sorrow. You're destined. Look at the strife. Who hath contentions? Strife amongst the marriage. Strife amongst the children. Strife amongst the home. Strife, strife amongst friends. Who hath contention? It's a life of strife, a life of sorrow. I want you to notice it's a life of slandered and slurred words. Who hath babblings? Uh, nobody wants to listen to a drunk. Amen? Nobody wants to listen to someone that can't even get their words correct because of alcohol who hath wounds without a cause. Uh, that's the scars. Uh, I'm going to tell you the bottle will put scars on your life. Uh, it'll cause you to do things you'd have never done in your right mind. Uh, it'll cause you to say things that would have never come out of your mouth had you not drinking alcohol. It'll cause you to think in a way that you'd have never thought before had you never touched that bottle. It'll scar you on the outside, but it'll scar you on the inside. It'll ruin your life. A life of soreness, the redness of eyes. Heavy bags will develop under your eyes if you're an alcoholic, if you're a drunkard. The bloodshot eyes, the wrinkles around the eye sockets are all a result of the wild parties, the wicked living, the ungodly lifestyle, the horrific scars. I, I'm telling you this morning, I, I have a relative who is the same age as I am, but she looks 20 years older because she's been on the bottle ever since she was about 17 years of age. I, can I tell you what it's done? I, it's aged her. I, it's made her look 20 years older than what she is. I, listen, there's no wrinkle cream. I, I, there's no Botox. I, I, there's no medicine out there uh, that can take away the scars uh, that alcohol is going to put in your life. Uh, if you touch that bottle, friend, uh, you ought to be scared to death of it uh, when you see it. Amen. Uh, it ought to burden your heart. If you know somebody this morning that's gone down that pathway, uh, you ought to pray for them. Uh, you ought to pray that God will get a hold of them uh, and that this devil's poison will not claim their life. A life of sickness. Look at verse 32. And at last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an, like an adder. Oh, I want to tell you what alcohol will do. It'll sting you. It'll make you sick. You ever seen somebody on a hangover? Boy, I've seen them puking their guts out. Their headaches so bad they can't hardly stand you to speak to them. I'm talking about the only way to get a little bit of relief for them is they'll, they'll drink a little bit more to intoxicate themselves, to, to knock the edge off you. And I'm telling you, that's what it'll do. It, it, it does, it's not fun, is it? Learn from this drunkard. Look what he desires in verse number 33. The Bible says, Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the... Or thine eyes, verse 33, shall behold strange women, and thine heart shall utter perverse things. He desires the unfaithful, the uncommitted, the used, the abused woman, the woman that will return that same favor as men has done to her. He declares in this verse perverse things. His mouth is, is, is baptized in wickedness and perversion. That's what happens. No wonder, listen, his content is burped up out of the bowels of hell this morning. Look at the drunkard, at what he desires and what he declares in verse 33. He says, yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea or he that lieth upon the top of a mass. Uh, what that means is uh, he's laying in an unsafe place. Uh, he's laying in a place that can claim his life. Uh, I'm telling you that's what alcohol will do. It'll always keep you on the edge of danger. It'll always keep you in that place that could claim your life. Then in closing, listen to what he decides. Look at verse 35. He says, they've stricken me. Thou shalt say I was not sick. They have beaten me. I felt it not. When shall I awake 
I will seek it yet again. I want to say this morning, alcohol will destroy your life, diminish your mind, and it will damn your soul. You know, my dad this morning, thank God he's saved. But this morning, my dad has Alzheimer's. He's had it for a long time. Started with dementia about 15 years ago, and now it's Alzheimer's. He sits in a chair from the time he gets out of bed till he goes back to bed. When he tries to speak to you, it's just the grace of God. My mother can understand what he says, but even I myself, he'll talk to us, and my mother has to interpret it because his speech is so, so baffled and messed up. There's over 30 different kinds of dementia and Alzheimer's. And the doctor told my dad when he had it, he said, the type of dementia that you have that will turn into Alzheimer's is from a life of drinking liquor and alcohol, mixing it. It destroys, as most dementia does, the brain cells in the, this part of your brain. But he said your speech has been affected because of the alcohol. It's touched that area. I want to tell you, I knew a man that went through the same thing my dad went through. He got saved, he drank, he was a sailor, he drank through those years as a sailor, but he got saved about 15 years after that. And he lived for God for about 20. And he come down with the same exact type of diagnosis that my dad has. And after all the years of being saved and serving God, sin has a payday. And just because I'm saved and forgiven doesn't mean that I won't face the consequences of what I did in the past. This morning as we stand. I don't know all why the Holy Spirit would have me to preach it, but I think one, it just needs to be preached on. Two, we need to be reminded of it. I don't know how a message like that but did this, but it fed my soul this week, Brother Laddie, and I don't even know how that's possible, but the Word of God will feed you. This morning, what we ought to do is, number one, pray for those that we know this morning that this has got a touch on their life. And number two, purpose in your heart. Not just teenagers, but purpose in your heart that you'll hate the devil's brew all the days of your life. Let's say I'm all we're going to sing this morning. 354, if you need to come, would you come this morning?